I'm really excited for a brand new series for May. It is called Law. Love always wins. It really does. Love always wins. And, and God is so good. And so in this series about law, is, we, people get a bit confused about this. And, 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 it's, and kind of, we kind of think that it's all about um, God's got all these rules and we've got to obey these rules. If we don't, then God is very, very angry with us. And, and, and so that's actually not true at all. So we're going to be getting into all these laws and all these things like Sabbath. You know, are we supposed to observe the Sabbath? What about these kosher foods like bacon? Are we allowed to eat bacon and all these things? Why is it that some people seem to pick and choose which laws they live by? And how do we interpret these laws? And how do, how do, how relevant is it to us today? And as we get into these things, we really do see that it's that this law is actually about law. All I mean, love always wins. And so today, today we're going to be looking at one of these laws that people do have a bit of concerns about. And it's this, is God sexist? Is he sexist? And so we're going to be exploring that um, this morning. So here we, here we go. Let's let's really get, let's get into what the Bible says about this. Like for myself personally, growing up, I had no issue with women in leadership. Maybe maybe it's because I was brought up by women. My mum and my grandmother were the ones who who brought me up, and I think that they did an okay job. I think they did a great job, to be honest. Uh, and so when I when I became a Christian and I began to read the Bible for myself, and, and as I read the Bible, I see that plenty of women leading and teaching in scripture so again i've got no issues but then i encountered christians who have grown up in a tradition that women cannot teach or have authority over men now that kind of concerned me because i thought of my mom and i thought of my grandmother who had authority and taught me throughout my life and, and let's be honest uh, my mom still has some authority over me and so uh, but i really do want to honor all the, all those solo mums out there those solo parents Thank you so much. You guys are amazing. And those sol you solo dads who are out there, you guys are fantastic. I want to honor all the solo parents. Thank you so much for, for stepping up and, and, and really being who you are. You know, God loves you. you. You are not alone. Okay. So when we look at this verse in the Bible, there are actually only two verses in the entire Bible that seem to uphold this tradition that women cannot teach or lead. My question is this. Why have some taken these two verses and made entire church policies out of these two verses? I mean, or, and miss out on so many other things in the whole Bible narrative. So it begs this question, is God sexist? Is it biblical for a woman or, um, to lead and to teach a congregation? So this is what we're going to be looking at this morning. And you know, if you've got to start somewhere, you always have to start with the resurrection. Because everything flows out of the resurrection because without the resurrection of Jesus everything else falls apart there'll be no Christianity there'll be no church there'll be nothing so what's really amazing is that the very first people to see Jesus were the woman so the first people to be told and to, to go and tell people to go and pronounce to go and preach that Jesus is alive were the woman so in the new creation Women were at the forefront of this message. So Jesus, he chose his 12 disciples, these men, for whatever reason, they, they kind of deserted him. But during this moment, when God began to announce his new creation, he chose women to be the mouthpiece, to go forth and to spread and tell the good news. You know, the resurrection, everything should flow out of there. So let's go have a look at these verses. So 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. Let's have a look at what it says. It says this, 
A woman should learn in quietness and in full submission. I do not permit women to teach or to assume authority over man. She must be quiet. Now, when we read this verse in isolation, it does seem like that God is sexist. It does kind of seem like that. But you know what? When, when you do come across some of these verses that don't seem to fit with the Bible narrative, like, you know, you got this Bible narrative, all of a sudden you got this verse that seems to contradict contradict what the Bible is saying. So what you've got to do is, what I do is I start to dig. Let me tell you something. When you walk along the street, you don't just find gold on the street. You have to dig for it. And I promise you, when you begin to dig, you begin to find gold. So let's have a look at this. So what do we know about the culture that this letter to Timothy was set in? Now, Timothy was in Ephesus. Ephesus is this Greek settlement. In fact, it's this metropolis, this Greek metropolis, this great city in, in the ancient world. And today, this city will be, would be, uh, which, and today it's just a city that's in ruins right now, but it's, it's found on the western coast of Turkey. But in its day, it was this metropolis, this bustling Greek city of Ephesus. People all over the known world will travel there to this grand temple. They would visit this grand temple, this temple of the goddess Artemis. And in, in Latin, it is, it is called Diana. And all in, in, in Egypt, it's, it's, the, it's the goddess Isis, but it's Artemis. So people all over the known world will gather to this temple to visit this thing. In fact, this, this grand temple is the penultimate of the seven great wonders of the ancient world. In fact, when you arrive in Ephesus, you will see this temple. So have a look at this picture of this temple. So here we have it, this, this grand temple. This is what you'll see as you enter into Ephesus, this grand temple, this one of the wonders, uh, the great wonders of the ancient world, the, the temple to the goddess Artemis. So this is a female religion. And this was the main religion in Ephesus, this female religion. And only woman we're priests. So let us read this verse with this Ephesian context in mind and within the context of this passage. So want you turn with me to Ephesians or to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. So let us read. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the woman to dress modestly with decency and propriety. Adorning themselves, not with elaborate hairstyles, and, and what it means here is braided hair, or gold, or pearls, or expensive clothes, but with good deeds, appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Now what Paul is saying here, he said, men and women, don't just go with the stereotypes. Men, we know all about testosterone. Okay, it's not about being macho. And then, then Paul goes on and begins to describe this hairstyle. What's really interesting, the hairstyle that he describes is braided hair with gold and pearls braided in with it. It was actually the hairstyle of women in, in Ephesus. And, when, and the woman will wear their hair like this in a way to show worship to the goddess Artemis. So they will wear this hair like this to show their, their devotion to the goddess Artemis. So what Paul is saying here, he's, he's speaking to the woman in the Ephesian context. And he's saying this, look, your looks have nothing to do with the devotion to God. But your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. And that's true of all of us. See, our devotion to God is not what we perceive of ourselves and what people to perceive of us. Our devotion to God is shown by what we do for people. Love God, love people. And when we get into the next verse, verse 11, 
A woman should learn in quietness and in full submission. A woman should learn in quietness and in full submission. This verse is, is not a sexist verse. This is a powerful verse that empowers women. To say that Paul is sexist and he writes something like this, uh, this is contrary to, to, to the fact. Because the Bible was written during a very patriarchal culture. To, so to simply say that women should learn was revolutionary in its day. To say that woman, you can become a disciple. That's revolutionary because that's what Paul is saying. They, hey, you ladies, by the way, you can become a disciple. You can learn. And what do disciples become? Disciples become teachers. Think about Aristotle, the great Greek philosopher. The great uh, philosopher Aristotle, he saw woman as a deficient form of, of man. This is how we saw women, and this is how we betrayed, and this is how, how Aristotle began to teach that women are just a deficient form of man. And this is carried right into our Western world today. So when Paul says, come on, woman, you can learn. This is revolutionary. You can become a disciple, and disciples become teachers. So let's get into the next verse, verse 12. It says this, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be Quiet. Now, this is the contentious verse. This verse here. Now, the words authority over, it comes from the word that's used here is a very ancient Greek word. Very rare. This word is not used anywhere else in the Bible, but in this passage only. You can't find it anywhere anywhere else. In fact, if um, otherwhere in the Bible, it uses authority over, but that, it uses Greek words that are very clear. Greek words that are clear that, that, that the writer means authority over. But Paul uses this particular Greek word. It's so rare. It has 12 different meanings. And it's the Greek word, authentain. Authentain is a very strange strange word that has lots of different meanings in fact 12 different meanings uh, in fact one of the meanings it means to murder so you could you could interpret the script i do not per per permit women to to murder men you can actually you can interpret it like this it also means erotic so you could interpret the scripture like this i don't permit women to be erotic over men you can interpret it like this but it also means author to originate to instigate it also means that this word, this word authentane has a wide, a wide um, selection of, of meaning for this word. But what's really, really interesting is that when you look at the Artemis cult, the Artemis cult promoted that women were the author of men, that they were the originator of men, that when, when creation happened, it was women that authored men, which means that this word authentane it means author as well. So, which means you can translate this verse like this. I do not permit women to teach that they are the author of men. And you can translate that, translate this passage like that because this word authentane also means to author, which makes a lot of sense. And it brings more understanding when you connect it with the next verse. In fact, let's connect this, these two verses together or read like this. I do not permit women to teach that they are the author of of man for adam was formed first then eve and adam was not the one deceived it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner again in in its context of the ephesian woman ephesian women were trained from a young age to promote this artemis cult so paul is saying you can't continue to promote this myth 
It has nothing to do with the fact that they are women, but rather to shut down a heretical teaching that was spreading among some of the women in the church of Ephesus. See, we know that Paul had no problem with women teaching men. As long as they had the ability to, as long that they were gifted in the teaching, and gifted in teaching as the Holy Spirit, Spirit gave. In fact, if Paul had a problem with women teaching, then he would have rebuked Priscilla. Now, Priscilla was one of Paul's companions. He would have, he would have rebuked her for instructing Apollos the way of faith in Acts chapter 18. So Paul had no issues with women instructing men or teaching men. So when we get to verse 15, it says this. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness, and with propriety. Now, the social pressures of women was that if I don't remain loyal to the goddess Artemis, then I'm going to die during childbirth. This was the social pressure that was going on uh, on the woman in, in the Ephesus. For anyone that, 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 that left this, this cult and they joined another, especially Christianity, they would say, hey, look, if you leave Artemis, you're going to die in childbirth. This, is, this was heavily promoted amongst, amongst the women of their time. So what I love about this passage, this passage, passage of Paul is beautiful. So because Paul is saying to the young woman in the Ephesian context, in the, in the Ephesian context, he's saying this, your looks have nothing to do with your devotion to God. But your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. Love God, love people. And by the way, I don't permit women who have this Artemis background to come in and teach that women are the author of man. For Adam was created first, then Eve. In other words, Paul is helping women to understand the proper view of the creation story. And he goes on, and, I, and, and don't have any fear that you're going to die during childbearing. For you're going to be preserved during childbearing if you continue in faith and love and holiness with modesty. So in the Ephesian context, Paul is not saying that women everywhere can't teach or lead men. Otherwise, he's contra contradicting himself elsewhere in his writings. Paul is squashing the heretical teaching spread among some of the women in the, in the church of Ephesus. Yes, what I've said can be contested. And, show, and so it should be contested. Paul said in the book of Acts, he said, Be like the Bereans who search daily in Scripture to see what was taught is true. So I encourage you, search the Scriptures, read the Bible narrative to see what I'm teaching is true. Search for yourself. But you know what? This, this, trend, this, this view of understanding this verse is, is, is as good a way to read this passage as any that I've come across. But what you cannot contest is the narrative of the Bible. For instance, Romans 16 is explosive. The Apostle Paul, he's greeting all these church leaders in Rome. And many of them are women and who are church leaders in their own right. And in verse 7, here we have a woman apostle. Paul says it himself. He says, Junior, Junior, this woman apostle. In fact, there's just been this huge attempt in history to make out that their junior is a man and calling a junius a man but scholar but greek scholarship is clear that this is a woman's name that she is an apostle and for paul that means somebody who has seen the risen jesus and thereby commissioned to be an authorized representative so paul greets this woman apostle junior 
who is outstanding amongst the apostles. And when we read Romans 16, verse 1, I love this. I love how it starts. It starts like this. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church and kin and kinkrii. I ask you to receive her and the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. So here's the crunch. The first woman mentioned in Romans 16 is the bearer of the letter to the Romans. Now, if you are poor and you know in your bones that you've just written a letter that is the most explosive piece of theological writing that, that you can imagine, who are you going to give it to? Who are you going to give it to to take and read it under Caesar's nose in Rome? And you would think he'll give it to some strong man. But no, who does Paul entrust this letter to read it to the Romans? Entrusted to a deacon woman from the church in Kincrii named Phoebe, this independent businesswoman. So what we know about how letters worked in the ancient world is that when the letter was sent via a person, the chances are that person will be the one to read it out. And they'll be the one to begin to explain this letter. So you can imagine Phoebe in the church in Rome, faced by all these Romans. They've got all these questions, thousands of questions. I'll have thousands of questions. They'll be like, Phoebe, what does Paul mean by this? Phoebe, what is Paul trying to say? So Phoebe will begin to expound this theological teaching to the people in Rome. So the first commentary on the book of Romans was by a woman named Phoebe. See, God has no problem with woman being an authority over man. In the Old Testament, in Judges chapter 4, God chose Deborah to lead Israel. She not only led the nation of Israel, but she was also its spiritual leader as a prophetess. So if you have a problem with woman and leadership, you need to take it up with the King of Kings. You need to take it up with God because God has no issue with woman in authority. God has no issue with woman teaching. So is it biblical for woman to preach and lead a congregation of men and women? And the answer is yes. Yes. That's right. So I want to know, what are the forces in our culture today which force some churches and some people to fasten on one or two verses and say, well, a woman can't do this, a woman can't do, woman can't do that. I, 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 I wonder what's going on in those cultures because it's highly, highly, highly selective of, of Scripture. When, when, when you read the Bible narrative, there's so many other theological answers. So when we go back and we read the first time woman is mentioned in our Bibles, what comes to mind? And sadly, what comes to mind of many people when women are first mentioned in the Bible, they think of sin. They think of Eve. They think of the apple. They think of, of the serpent. But when the first when woman is first mentioned in the Bible, it's actually amazing. So as you turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, this is what what the Bible says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The first mention of women are that they are God 
like. The first time you read woman in the Bible, they're godlike. Well, men are godlike also, but most men already think that. So come on, solo moms. You're created in the image of God. Come on, retiree. Come on, young lady. You are godlike. Your self-worth is not found in another man. Your self-worth is not found in your looks. It doesn't matter what others think about you. It's what God thinks about you that matters. Your worth is found in God. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. Because when God made you, He made perfection. Because God doesn't make mistakes. And this isn't just for the ladies. Come on. Men, your self-worth isn't found in what you do. Your self-worth isn't found in your occupation or lack of occupation. Your self-worth isn't found in being macho. My worth is found in God. So stop being somebody else. And start being you. You are the greatest at being you. At being you. There's no one else like you. You were born an original, so don't die a copy. My worth is found in God. You know, I want to end with the words of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says like this, As Jesus and the, and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, it's easy to miss what Jesus is trying to say here and what he is doing here. It's easy to look at the scripture and say, well, it's all about priorities and having your priorities right. Well, Jesus is doing far more than this. See, society and the religious norms of the time see that the place of the woman is in the kitchen. That's their place. It forbid women to be in a place of learning. Mary, where was Mary sitting? Mary was sitting where men sit. Where a disciple would sit. Jesus was breaking the social order. Jesus was saying to Martha, Martha, you're more than what society say you are. Your worth is found in me. You know what Mary discovered? She discovered that she too become a disciple and what do we know about disciples disciples become rabbis they become teachers your worth is found in God see do you do you understand that you are made in the image of God when God looks at you he sees himself looking back at him see the the idea that we are all equals is not a western idea it's not an Eastern idea. It's not a Greek idea. This idea originates from the Bible. See, when you study the law of God, you will see that love 
always wins. My worth is found in God. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die in our place so that we can be forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that our worth 